Hey there, welcome to the Book of Medora podcast. I'm your host, Crystal. With me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Uh, today I'm going to explain a tweet to you. Yeah, it's that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of world we live in now. He, here, here's how in this, this tweet I wrote it with colons. We're going to replace the colons with the word "is." Okay, uh, that, like that's a good start. I think that the less context we give for this, the more effective the episode is going to be. Izmir Wolfharth is demise. Zurin Arctis is Mandragannon. Hjalti Earlybeard is Ganondorf. The Underking is Demon King Ganon. Tiber Septum is Ganondorf Dragmire. Talos Stormcrown is Dark Lord Ganondorf. Mentella is Dark Beast Ganon. A new medium is Calamity Ganon. Talos is Ganon. Okay. Are you done? Or no? I th- she took a breath. No, oh, sorry. That's the, that's the end. That's the end. Oh, okay. Thoughts? You were saying that. Well, I mean, I think that it would help to say. Um, well, given our viewership and what they've been accustomed to for the past hundred-ish episodes. Um, we, we, we can expect that they'll be familiar with half the names on that list. Yeah, there's all the parts. What the fuck is the other half? Oh, that's from the Elder Scrolls series of video games. So you're suggesting that all the characters that you just named are like similarly iterating on a single archetype. Yeah, they're all one guy, just like they're, Ganon. They're really one guy? Yeah. Okay, for our listeners, especially the ones who might be familiar with Elder Scrolls lore, Monica and I are not. At all. Monica even less than me. I at least played Skyrim once in the long ago, but I never got very far into Oblivion, never did Morrowind, never played Arena or any of those. I played maybe 15 minutes collectively of two games. I don't know which. Right. I can describe what happened. Okay, what happens? Uh, one of them, I think I was about to be executed. Oh, that's Skyrim. Okay. That's Skyrim. And then another one, I was in a cart. That's, that's also, also Skyrim. Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. No, no, wait. One of them, I was in a dungeon and there was a king there. Oh, that was that's, Oblivion. That's Oblivion, okay. yeah. Okay. And I think I was about to get out and then I was like, not right now. <laughs> when did you play Oblivion? I don't know. Okay, so. For five minutes. This is pretty, like, and when I played through Skyrim, I read books in it sometime, but I didn't internalize them. And Crystal, I just want to lay out there. These are some fantasy-ass fantasy names. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, a little bit. Like which ones? Early Beard? Um, yeah, I think that um, Hjalti Early Beard is very much... Uh, well, it's not really a fantasy-ass fantasy name. It's more like a name that's taken from the Nordic sagas. Yeah. Zurin Arctis is a... Zurin Arctis is a pretty fantasy-ass fantasy name. Izmir Wolfharth is also a pretty fantasy-ass fantasy name. Izmir's also a Nordic name. Yeah, I know. What about Anumidium? Oh, that's a that's a pun on a new medium. I see. Because it sounds like the way the Brits say aluminum. Aluminium? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Okay. Uh, so you said you would explain this tweet to us. Yeah, I I think it would be helpful if I knew your your base knowledge of Skyrim. Okay. My knowledge of Skyrim is that, like, it gave me a sort of wrong impression of how the Elder Scrolls works. Because when I when you play through Skyrim and it's your only Elder Scrolls game, you get this impression that the world sort of begins and ends under the fire of dragons. And that everything that comes between is just like a holding pattern until Alduin returns to burn the earth. Oh, that's correct. Oh, okay. Fine, I guess. Okay, but that's the. I only know the very beginning and the very end. Then I don't know all the god stuff that comes between. Can we sort of wheel back a bit and just maybe start off with? This is set in a world that is Dungeons and Dragons based. Yeah, well, it's it's primarily inspired not by Dungeons and Dragons, but by the other tabletop setting of Glorantha. What's Glorantha? Uh, Some tabletop games that use the setting are RuneQuest and HeroQuest. Oh, shit. This is the RuneQuest setting? Yeah, and there's also the game King of Dragon Pass. Oh, okay. Well, wait, all of those take place in the same... Oh, but Elder Scrolls is inspired by those settings. Yes, very much so by Glorantha. Okay. And each of these games takes place in a different part of the world. The Elder Scrolls games. Right. Yes. They're, Sorry. They're all set in the magical world of Tamriel, and each one is in a different province, except for the first one, which is on the whole continent, but it's kind of a procedurally generated thing, so you're not, you don't get a lot of regional differences. Crystal, if you could describe the... Uh, okay, let's say that we describe the Legend of Zelda in broad strokes. We would say that the Legend of Zelda ultimately is a story about a great evil potentially rising again and again who has to be faced down by a heroic boy and a princess who may or may not actually participate in the battle. And the whole thing is about just repeating over and over this pattern of fighting against the failures of the past. That's Broad Strokes, The Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. What is Broad Strokes, The Elder Scrolls about? Uh, it's a fantasy adventure game where you, the prisoner, become the best guy and save the world. Okay. And you acquire like 100 cheese wheels, which you deploy off a hill. Yeah. Skyrim really changed our expectations about what the Elder Scrolls is. Well, no, it's been that for a while. It kind of has some of that immersive sim DNA Uh, where every object has physics. Okay, that makes sense. We we don't need to necessarily do the whole lore just to explain the basics of this tweet. We just need to know the history of the god Talos. Okay, so tell us about the god Talos. So there's eight divines, usually. The eight main gods. But there was a ninth one, and he used to be the emperor, Tiber Septim, who conquered all of Tamriel. And he did it so good that he got to become a god when he died. Okay, that's a little bit Malazan, Book of the Fallen. Did the other gods decide that? Uh, You know, the circumstances around it are rather mysterious. Like, it's never actually described. Yeah, I have some thoughts about when exactly it happens, but we'll get into that later. Oh, okay. When we get to the specific comparison of Tiber Septim? Yeah, first we should probably go through 
the biography of Tiber Septim. Oh, and there's okay. a couple different ones. The many How- details of his life are disputed. Okay. How long after the dragons go away is this? A few thousand years. That's pretty long. I think that there's still some dragons around at this time, but they're mostly gone. Would you say that the entire Elder Scrolls series can take place between the Calamity Ganon being sealed versus the return of Ganon in Breath of the Wild 2? <laughs> oh, yeah. The whole thing's only about six or seven, no, 7,000 years. Just I mean, about. that's still, that's pretty long, just not long in Legend of Zelda terms. Well, about a thousand of those years uh, are disputed to have happened or not. What? Yeah, there's a. Have you heard something called a dragon break? Um, I mean, I feel like I must have listening to Skyrim, but it's not recalling. It's it's happens when time breaks because the I god dragons? of time is a dragon. Oh, there, so what what does a time break mean? It means it means that time flows non linearly as it did before the birth of the dragon god of time. So it gets like all timey-wimey fucky. Yeah, it gets all timey-wimey. And one time that happened for exactly 1,008 years. That's not as fucky as it could be. I guess they looked back and they tried to measure it. How can you really be sure that it went for about 1,000 years when time is moving non-linearly? Because the stars are still constant. They had to cut down a really big tree and count the rings. (laughs) No, the stars in the sky still, still move normally. They're not so affected. The, so the time god's powers don't extend to the stars. No. The stars have their own masters. That's really interesting, cosmically speaking. Yeah. Okay, so some bullshit happened. Some bullshit happened. Don't worry about that. That doesn't matter. How did we even get on that subject? Well, you, you, this was after a time break. Something Tiber Septum. Yeah, we're talking about how long has, has the world been around. About 7,000 years. Okay. But a thousand of them pretty much don't count. But a thousand, seven thousand years isn't even enough for like people have existed for longer than seven thousand years. It, it, sure, but this is a fantasy setting okay. where people are made by gods. Right, right. Well, also, you know, there there are kalpas. This is just the seven thousand years of the latest kalpa. Oh, okay. what's a kalpa? It's a aeon of time. Oh, okay. So. It, Going by units, it's dragon and then culpa. Right. Uh, you know, Alduin eats the world. Like you said, it's a cycle. You eat the world, then there's a new one, and then he eats it again. Oh, Alduin's a motherfucker. Yeah. Well, it's just how it is. If he's such a badass, why did I whip his ass so good? Because you're the dragonborn. You're the best guy. Oh, okay. Sure is convenient that the best guy comes around. Well, yeah, the gods want to save their favorite culpa, so they sent you. Why doesn't Alduin go kick the shit out of the gods? Why would he? To eat to so that he can eat the world without being interrupted. Well, you were in the way. Uh, is he between? Are you between him and the gods? The gods are up in space. Oh, okay. Can Actual you- physical space. That's what Oblivion is. Wait, Oblivion is the cold hard vacuum of space, but yes. like not an actual cold hard vacuum. Yeah. Okay. Sure, that's where half of, like, the Elder Scrolls Four took place? Yeah, when you look at the night sky, that's Oblivion. All right, sure, I'm in it. Okay, the Tiber Septon, let me tell you the official Orthodox biography as told in the Pocket Guide to the Empire First Edition. Okay. <laughs> he was born in Atmora as Talos, 
storm crown in the language of the ancient El Nafi. It was from that shore he sailed. He spent his youth in Skyrim among the Nords. There he learned much from the tongues and their chieftains and their ways of war. At twenty, he led the invasion of old Hrolden, taking it back from the witchmen of High Rock and their kinsmen. Soon the Greybeards made known that they were restless. Already the storms had begun from their murmurs. The Greybeards were going to speak. The surrounding villages were abandoned as the people fled the coming blast. The villagers warned Talos to turn back, for he was marching to the mountain where the Greybeards dwelt. Inside he went, and on seeing him they removed their gags. When they spoke his name, the world shook. The tongues of Skyrim told the son of Atmora that he had come to rule Tamriel, and that he must travel south to do so. And it is true that Talos did come to Cyrodiil shortly after the battle of Old Hrolden. And it is true that a great storm preceded his arrival. Okay. So I do remember enough of Skyrim to know that Greybeards are the ones who are humans that have devoted their lives to learning the language of dragons. Right. So they can they can shout. Right. Um, for, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the language of dragons is basically the language of creation. If you speak something in the tongue of dragons, it is true. That is correct. So you don't just prophecy. You make it so. That is correct. This is a lot to take in for me. So so, so Tiber Septim wasn't chosen by fate. He was specifically chosen by the Greybeards because they're like, hey, this kid's standing around here. Let's get him. Right. He was a special guy with mythic origins, and he could shout really good, and he was a chosen one, and that's why he became the emperor of all Tamriel. I see. So he's also able to speak the tongue of dragons? Yeah, he's a, he's a dragonborn. Oh, okay. This is a white-ass story. Yeah, it kind of sounds like propaganda, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. So Talos went south and became the general of the Colovian Estates under King Colocane. And he conquered the armies of Skyrim and High Rock and Cyrodiil. And when Emperor Cullacain was set to become the emperor, some mysterious assassins managed to kill him and they cut Talos's throat. And what? Af- after that, he could no longer use the voice. Oh, wait, they cut his throat but didn't manage to kill him? No, they, they killed the emperor Cullacain. Cullacain cut- like Kukulan. Yeah, Cullacain. That might be how it's pronounced. I don't know how to pronounce this name. C U H L E C A I N. Okay, they've that that just sounds a lot. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing the Irish hero's name correctly either. It just sounds very similar. They just switched around the k and the l. Yeah. So the, anyway, yeah. yeah. Go on. I, I I'm sorry. I was just trying to get my head around this. So, but they also cut uh, Talos's throat. Yes. So that he couldn't dragon speak at them and fuck up everything. Right. After on, he went to command the Empire with a whisper. Huh. All right. So he could whisper but not shout. Yeah, he could no longer use the shouts. Ah, that's... Huh. You would think that still being able to whisper the words... Yeah, I thought the shouting wasn't really required. You just sounded cool. You're correct. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay, I was about to say, huh, this is not quite in keeping with the things. Let's go. So he conquered, he's conquered about half of Tamriel now. So then he goes to Morrowind 
where Morrowind has possession of a big, giant robot called the Numidium. Or I'm sorry? The Anumidium. A big, giant robot? Oh, why is it a big, giant... What? It was it was uh, supposed to be a god. It was built by the dwarfs. They built a god that's also a giant robot. Is it made out of stone? Uh, it's made out of brass. That's kind of cool. It's called the Brass God. Sometimes the, the Brass Tower or Walk Brass. There's a lot of different names for these things in this setting, which I appreciate. It, it doesn't. It, we don't need to know how they fell into possession of it, but the point is they have it. Okay, so Morrowind has the God of the Dwarves. Yes, and Tiber Septim, which now Talos is called, he took the Imperial name Tiber Septim. Uh, he he goes to conquer Morrowind, and Morrowind immediately surrenders and gives him the God. Huh. It feels like that might not be the whole story. Yeah, it was a rather controversial decision. One of the one of the gods of Morrowind's Vivek did it without consulting anyone else. Oh, a god did it, no less. Yeah, it's ruled by three gods. Okay. The three? he did it because there was already a lot of political infighting, and if they tried to fight a war, they were probably gonna collapse. But he okay. negotiated good terms so that Morrowind still got to keep their religion and autonomy but they pay taxes to the empire. So Talos is building the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah. As Tiber Septum, the Holy Roman Emperor. Yes. Okay. That's why he takes the Latin name, an imperial name. What's the the source of this history? This is still mostly coming from the pocket guide to the empire. Oh, I mean, like, who wrote it? I guess Imperials? Yeah, the Imperial Geographic Society. This is all in in universe writing down of the lore. Okay. Yes. So we have to assume that it's at least partially unreliable. There are no unbiased sources. That's true. That's cool. That sounds a lot like the Legend of Zelda in some ways. In some ways, yeah. So once he has the new medium, conquering the rest of the empire is pretty easy because who can fight against the giant robot? Right. But to to power the new medium, you need something called the heart of Lorcan, which is the heart of a dead god. Okay. That, that's a whole story in itself. We won't get into that. Okay. Just this one question. Is it a specific god? Yes. Called Lorcan. Oh. The Doom okay. Drum. Got it. So they designed a god that could only live with the heart of another god. Yeah. All right. But they can control it. Yeah, they can control it. The um, the dwarves in Skyrim, the dwarves seemed like a long extinct, almost precursor race. Uh, they are long extinct. They're not really a precursor race. They had all these super crazy machines that nobody else could possibly replicate nowadays. Yeah. Well, okay, they're not literally a precursor in that the current peoples of Skyrim or of Tamriel are descended from them, but they still feel like it's like everybody who is after them are basically banging sticks together in comparison. No, not necessarily. There's, there, right. there are empires that went to the moons and stuff. What? Yeah. The second empire went to, no. Yeah. The second empire went to the moon. Is this the first empire that we're talking about now? This is the third. Oh, how foolish of me. Did they fly on dragons? Uh, it was actually moths, I believe. Yeah, you can't you can't fly on dragons because dragons showing up is a sign that the world is ending. 
Yeah, dragons are bad news. You don't want to meet dragons. Yeah, if dragons show up in Elder Scrolls 6, it means that the world is still ending. Okay. Well, actually, Tybersepton did have a dragon under his control, but that was what? an exception. Uh, okay. Is this according to the Imperial version of his history? No, you see that guy in one of the games. Oh, okay, sure. I don't remember why he swore fealty, but he did. Sure. Same way. Wait, are, to- dragons, are dragons people, like, transformable? Uh, dragons are time. Literally? Yes. They don't usually walk around looking like humans, though. In fact, I'm not sure why they ever would. They probably could if they wanted to, but yeah, why would they? Yeah, why would they? But, but sorry, like, time sort of crystallizes into a physical thing, and the physical thing is a dragon. Yes. Okay. Dra- dragon is synonymous with time. That's why it's the dragon god of time. Well, what if there was, like, a very short interval of time, like a second? What is it? What? What? Well, like, would that be if you like, crystallize a second? Yes. I don't. Would that be like a dragon scale, or would it be like a little tiny baby dragon? If you crystallized a second, yes. I don't think that dragons are made. Like I, I don't understand, but just intuitively, I would assume that dragons aren't made out of discrete measurements of time. It's more like they're made of the stuff that we perceive as the passage of time. Yeah, maybe, but now I'm thinking, what would a second dragon be? I guess it would be a little baby. <laughs> I'm assuming it'd be a cute little baby dragon. Yeah. And you can't kill it except by shouting at it. So yeah. you, can, you can kill dragons. It doesn't have any wings, and it doesn't even, like, have a mouth. It's basically just a little little blob with two eyes and two legs and two arms and a little head. And it's a luma, is what I'm saying. Aww. This is nice again. I, you have my full interest. Um, to power <laughs> the Numidium, uh, Tybersepton's Imperial Battle Mage, Zurin Arctis, uses his own heart in place of the heart of Lorcan. So the Imperial Battle Mage cuts out his fucking heart. Yeah, he, he fashions it into something called a Mantella, which powers the Numidium. It's a, it's a green gem. Wait, he can live without his heart? Yeah, it's fine. All right. He's the Imperial Battle Mage. All right, I guess he's a bad motherfucker. Does he have anything in his chest to replace his heart? Who could say? Not that I know of. Fair enough. So once Tiber Septim conquers the Empire, the Battle Mage is fine with all that. But now Tiber Septim's doing... This is no longer in the official record. Now he's doing bad things, like killing all the only semi-loyal governors and replacing them with super loyal governors. Okay, we're still very Roman. With the strength of the Numidium. And Xuronarchus doesn't like that, so he tries to destroy the Numidium. Okay. But then Tiber Septim kills him. Okay. Tiber Septim kills Xuronarchus for going against him. Yeah, but since it's his heart... Powering the Numidium, the the Numidium falls apart, and the Mantella that powers it is blown into Aetherius, along with Xuronarctus. Okay. That seems like a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. He's already conquered the whole empire. He'll live. Will he? Tiber Septim, yeah. He goes on to rule for like 81 years. Oh, all right. And he dies. So that's one and- version of the biography. Okay, that's one version. 
There's a heretical version. Okay. Is this the one that's closer to the version of events that you subscribe to? It's another version of events. Okay. Who knows what really happens? So a long time ago, there was a guy named King Wolfarth, also known as Izmir Wolfarth, and he was a dragonborn. And he he was a king in ancient times of the Nords. And he kept dying and coming back several times as the Ash King. That's pretty cool. Yeah, one time he... Well, we don't need to get into all five of his slimes. The point is, he keeps coming back. Oh, okay. So that's... And then one time... Hmm? That's why you compare him to Demise. Yeah, he's like Demise. Okay, but only according to the Historia version of the timeline. Yeah. All right. He keeps coming back, and then eventually he he hears rumors of a chosen one destined to rule Tamriel, called by the Greybeards. And he hears the Greybeards calling. He's like, well, that must be me, because I'm the best guy. So he goes up to the big mountain where the Greybeards live, and he is shouted back into Ash, because he is not the chosen one. It's this kid, Hjalti Earlybeard, from High Rock. So it's like Snow White. Yeah, it's like Snow White. Oh, I see. So the Wicked Queen asked her magic mirror who was the fairest one of all, and the magic mirror used the dragon shout to blow her to smithereens. Yeah. Okay. So Izmir Wolfharth is not the chosen one, but he's going to provide assistance to the chosen one, Hjalti Earlybeard. Oh, so right, because he keeps coming back. He can come back after being obliterated by the Greybeards. Yeah, so at this point he is known as the Underking, and he becomes a secret ally to Hjalti Early Beard, because he doesn't really have a corporeal form as such. He can make one if he wants, but mostly he appears as a storm, the storm crown. Oh. And he's the one that's able to shout, not Hjalti. Interesting. So he's he's like, he's shouting down the great walls of Old Hurlden, and it looks like Hjalti's doing it. And why is he helping Hjalti? Because Hjalti is the chosen one who's going to rule the whole empire and kill all the elves, which is what Wolfharth wants. I see. Okay. Why does Wolfharth want to kill the elves? He's just like the ancient enemy of the elves. He's been fighting them for thousands and thousands of years. Oh, okay. There's there's a whole blood feud between elves and man. Okay. Okay. So he keeps coming back like a shadow called up out of the earth over and over. Yeah. Like Demise. And like... The Demon King, Ganon. Yeah, like the Demon King, Ganon. So, eventually, he he and Hjalti together conquer High Rock and conquer Skyrim. And then Hjalti's boss, Kulakane, is going to become the Emperor. But then Hjalti secretly murders him in the night so he can become the Emperor. Ooh. So that's the heretical version of how Hjalti, later Talos, later Tiber Septim, later Talos became the emperor. Yeah. But then when Tiber Septim went to conquer Morrowind and instead made peace with them, allowing them to keep their religion, Izmir didn't like that because he doesn't like the elves. And Morrowind is basically inhabited by the Elder Scrolls version of Dark Elves, right? Yeah, the Drow. Right. So now, now Yzmir is mad at Hjalti. So Hjalti and Zern are like, okay, he was helpful to us so far, but now we have the big robot, so we don't really need him anymore. 
And also, we need something to power the big robot. So why don't we trap his soul into this green gem called the Mantella and use it to power the big robot? Oh, this is suddenly making a lot more sense to old Cameron. Yeah, because he's like this weird godlike figure. So his soul's probably better than Zurin's, right? You gotta be. So they they trap his soul in the gem. Then he, as the gem, blows a hole through the chest of Zurin Arctis, killing him. Okay, this is making more sense. Later, a rotting undead wizard appears and destroys the Numidium after it has already conquered most of Tamriel. This rotting undead wizard? Yeah. Okay. Now, Ysmir's not really known as a wizard. He's more of a, a battle axe kind of guy. But Zurin Arctis is a wizard. I was just thinking that. He's a dead wizard. So about four so the wizard continues the under king continues to be a problem throughout the empire for about 400 years. So the original under king at the time known as at like the Wolfharth was the under king at one point, but now it seems like Zurin might be the under king. Maybe. He identifies himself as Zurin in the game Daggerfall. God, that's the scrolls too. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm having to take notes, but I'm not taking notes, so I'm coasting. So <laughs> in, in Daggerfall, he identifies himself as Zurin, the Imperial Battle Mage, and he says the Mantella is his heart because the whole game is about the search for the Mantella and the Numidium. It's not actually about that, but it becomes about that. Okay. So in that game, you recover the Mantella, and you recover the pieces of Numidium, and you have like six different people you could potentially give it to, creating six different endings for the game. One of which is the Underking. You can give it to let me let me look at all the endings. You can give it to the Kingdom of Sentinel, the Kingdom of Wayrest, the Kingdom of Daggerfall, Manamarco, the King of Worms, so he can become a god, the Underking, so he can reclaim his hearts and finally be able to die, the Warlord Grotwag. Gortwag Gronagrum, the orc who wants to create an orc kingdom. And you can give it to the emperor so he can pacify the rebellious kingdoms of High Rock and restore imperial order. It's interesting that you need a heart to die. Yeah, you can't die without your heart. How? Like, what's going to stop if somebody tries to kill you? If your heart doesn't stop, you can't be dead. You're just a rotting undead wizard. Yeah. It's like Kingdom Hearts. Just like Kingdom Hearts, nobody can die unless they have their heart and their body together. So of these seven endings, which one do you think happens? Um, canonically? I'm yeah. going to I'm going to I'm going to go Yoko Taro, say fuck it, and all of them. You're correct. Yeah. <laughs> all of them happen. Really? Yeah, somehow all of them happen. It's called the warp in the west. And this, and this was is another instance of a dragon break. And this is canonized in Morrowind, I guess? Yeah. Okay. So every th- that sounds like it potentially things went very badly. So basically what happened is in Daggerfall, there were like 23 different kingdoms in the region. And at the end of it, there's four. Each of the four kingdoms you can give it to. And they all swear fealty to the emperor. So the emperor ending is also satisfied. And the Underking is dead, so that ending is satisfied. 
and Manamarco, the king of worms, exists as both a god in the sky and as a mortal man. Okay, so it's also, uh, what was the name of that amnesia-esque horror game that was about uh, copying your brain patterns? Soma. So, so it's also Soma. Kind of. All right. So here's 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 one of the weird things. Uh, 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 weird now? I don't know. <laughs> in the Elder Scrolls 2, there are only eight gods. Talos is not a god. In Daggerfall, Talos is not a god. Right. He is, he, there was an emperor, Tiber Septum. The regional kingdom of Alcare calls, refers to uh, themselves as his homelands. Okay. But then in Morrowind, set, uh, a few years later, I think like a, a decade or two later, Talos is considered to be a god. Okay. So it seems like the apotheosis happens at the end of Daggerfall. How long has how long has Tiber Septim been dead at this point? Uh, about four hundred years. Okay, so homie didn't manage to transubstantiate until this uh, fucking dragon wrinkle happened. Yeah, because the the Under King was still around. Oh, so it's like the Under King was holding Tiber Septim back from becoming Talos, or the Under King is part of Talos. Oh, so it's okay. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, no, we're getting. It's all coming together. Uh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just wait. Oh, She's doing do, it. Do an understanding check. What's coming together? Wait, wait. Oh, okay. So, is the Under King sort of like the parts of Voldemort that? No, no, no. I don't you really gotta think of it. You gotta think of it in the other direction. Don't think of it in terms of Voldemort. Think of it in terms of Ganon. Okay. Yeah. So you've got Tiber Septum, who is well. Okay, let me check the list that you made here. Tiber Septum is listed as uh, Ganondorf Dragmire, who is, uh, according to Crystal's writing here, the Wind Waker version of the character. Okay. I don't know why she called him Gra- Dragmire in that, but I did remember that she sometimes still calls him Dragmire. Sure. So, so in calling him Dragmire, I am identifying him as the royal Ganondorf, Ganondorf the king, as opposed to Ganondorf the conqueror or Ganondorf the thief. Got it. Okay. The Okay. So the underking being the demon king, Ganon, and the demon king is the version of the character, the, the rising shadow who returns to Hyrule over and over with no explanation of how he's doing it. Yes. So, and the, you can see right here that crystal has written down that talos is ganon and when she writes ganon there she means the character from breath of the wild 2 the 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 combined ganon the whole the oversoul of ganon so when she talks about the under king and tiber septum essentially being rolled into each other she's also talking about the great shadow and ganondorf from wind waker though i'm not quite sure how Dark Lord Ganondorf fits into this one. Can you remind me about Talos Stormcrown? So Stormcrown is a title that has been attributed to both Tiber Septum and Izmir Wolfarth. Ah. So Dark Lord Ganondorf is Ganondorf the Conqueror. He did do that. Yes. What I'm saying here is that Wolfarth and Hjalti together were the people who conquered the Empire. And Tiber Septum is kind of Hjalti and Zurin together, the people who administrated it, who did the diplomacy stuff, negotiated the deals, didn't march with the armies. So the histor the 
Empire's historical version of events isn't even describing individuals. They're describing like gestalt roles that several different people had as like combined things. Yes. That's really interesting uh, fantasy history writing. Yeah. All right. That does that does all read like we're Ganon now. So it's like all of these are potentials. These are things that might have been pardon me a second. <coughs> God, I need some tea or something. Um I'll get you some tea. Sure. Um so these are all things that might have been. These are theoretical individuals that played specific roles, but Talos is real. Yeah, he is real. As real as any of the gods can be. It, which is to say that he is a character. He is a role that people inhabit. Oh, a role that people inhabit, Talos. Okay. Uh, I tell you what, g- g- give us just like a second here for Monica to get back with no, the... No, no, go on without Oh, me. she says go on without her. I will, I will be able to pick up. I don't know if you will be able to pick up. Exactly as far. Oh, okay. She's not losing anything <laughs> by not hearing this. Okay. okay. So, so the, the planet Nern... Okay, the planet is called Nern. I yeah. did remember that. Is It means arena. Oh, just like the uh, title of the original game, right? Or is that the second one? Yeah, the original game. Because Well, originally it was supposed to be a game where you're a gladiator traveling around to fight in the arenas. And then it became this different thing. But they still wanted to call it arena. So then they later came up with, oh, Nern means arena. Okay, sure. But when you think about arena, you think about gladiators, yeah. Gladiators are not just fighters. They're also actors. They're putting on a show. Yeah. They're like pro wrestlers. Oh, no. So the world is a place of great conflict, but it is also a place where people inhabit archetypes, inhabit stock characters, and that's what the gods can be understood to be. Oh, wait a second. They're not just pro wrestling. They're lucha. Yeah. They're gladiators. Oh, shit. Okay, so Talos is a character, and the suggestion here is that we see a specific instance of Ganon, but they're all Ganon. Even though when you talk about specific instances, you're still saying this one individual, and not necessarily every other individual. Yeah, I mean, you can draw a distinction between the Ganon of Twilight Princess, and the Ganon of Ocarina, and the Ganon of Wind Waker, and the Ganon of A Link to the Past, etc., etc. But... They're all canon. They're all Ganon. We're back to talking about Ganon. I heard luchadors. Hey, just get back over here and put your headphones in. I'm leaving this part in. Okay, okay. This is what I've pieced together making okay. tea. So there is a, a character named Talos, and it's like a, a character in a wrestling match. Yeah, kind of. That's and what the gods can be understood to be. I've lost it again. <laughs> but no, okay. That's because I said you needed to be here for this. Okay. Essentially, uh, think of it as being like the gods are roles that people, that individuals can play. Okay. So it's like you, you've got character actors who are all playing the same character. Those characters are the gods. Okay. That's it. Okay. And, and instead of playing one of the existing gods, Talos was like, hey, I'm going to make my OC. Well, he kind of was playing one of the existing gods, because I guess we do have to tell the story of Lorcan. Okay, tell us the story of Lorcan, whose heart was used to power the brass god. Yeah, so Lorcan, also called the Doom Drum, is the guy 
is the god who came up with the idea of making the mortal world. Okay. And depending on the bias of the story, he either convinced or tricked the other gods into uh, giving up parts of themselves to create the world. That sounds a lot like Ganon. Does it? Does he do that? No. No, I guess not. As, again, depending on bias of the story, as either punishment for tricking the gods, his heart was ripped out and shot on a bow and arrow into the the star-wounded east under the giant volcano, Dagothar. Or he willingly gave it to the earth to grant it divinity. Okay. So he gave, according to the source, he may have given his heart to the arena. Yeah. Because Nern means arena. Yes. Oh, in what language? Elnafex. Okay. I love that you knew this off the top of your head. Uh, yeah, but so the, the whole having your heart forcibly separated or possibly willingly giving it kind of sounds like the Mantella. Yeah. So they're kind of reenacting the story of Lorcan a bit. Okay, that does make sense. Lorcan is also considered to be the, the, the patron god of men. Men like him, as opposed to the elves. The elves don't like him. Okay. Patron god of humanity, so to speak. Yeah. Is, does Talos later take on that role? Oh, right. Yeah, yes. He is. He is, he is the, the god of the empire of men. Okay. He is the, the man who conquered everyone. Right. Okay. 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 And Wolfharth also kind of was that guy as the king who kept reappearing over thousands of years to lead men in battle against the elves. Okay. It sounds like this version might actually be Demise. Yeah, no, none of these guys are good. They're all villains. Yeah, a little bit. Huh. So, But they're liked? I mean... They're the gods of the empire. Yeah, they're literally gods of empire. Yeah. So they're liked within the empire and not liked as much outside of it. No, I mean players. I'm oh, sure that Elder, sure. Scroll, Elder Scrolls players, I'm sure, have very uh, different opinions regarding the gods. So in a way, you could consider Talos to be the reappearance of the dead god Lorcan on the mythic stage. Okay, sure. He's the new Green Ranger. The new Green Ranger. This is a lot to take in. So, do you see how that relates to Ganon? <laughs> yeah, actually. Okay, let's go down the list. So, Vati shows up and his name is Lorcan. Huh? Okay, I'm back on. <laughs> and eventually, Vati does a thing where it's like, Haha, I will give my heart over to this and I will do a thing. And it's like, all right, now I am going to have the cool story that everyone will care about forever. And then a few thousand years later, this motherfucker called Halfbeard comes along and he's like, uh, I'm Ganondorf and I'm going to fuck all this shit up. And he does it so hard that nobody even remembers who Vati was anymore. I'm also following this. That's it. That's the okay. whole story. Okay. I'm, I'm on board again. Well, so let's go down the list of this tweet. Okay. Izmir Wolfharth is demise. Why? Izmir Wolfharth is demise because he thought that he was going to be the big bad motherfucker to rule over everything, but he ends up being put into a weapon. Yeah. 
Xur and Arctis is Mandrag Ganon. Why? Okay, assuming that Mandrag Ganon is the Link to the Past version of the character, I believe you've listed it as the man who, in the Link to the Past backstory, he was called Ganondorf Dragmire, but you've used that name for Wind Waker, so Mandrag Ganon here means the person who was called Ganondorf Dragmire in the Link to the Past backstory, the person who became the demon the demon thief Ganon. Uh, yes, Ganon so- of the Enchanted Thieves. Right. So his thing is that he eventually dies and comes back as this undead horror like what happens in the Oracle games or Mm -hmm. potentially doesn't. But regardless, he ends up being folded into the eventual Talos, which is Ganon. Yeah. Hjolti. So go on. No, no, no. Go on. Hjolti Earlybeard is Ganondorf. Explain that. Okay. So Hjolti Earlybeard is the heretical version of of the Talos who would eventually become Tiber Septum. Hjalti Earlybeard, later Tiber Septum, later Talos, is a person who did not have great power in and of himself, except that he was in the right place at the right time, knew the right people, and knew how to fuck over everyone, including by murdering the actual emperor and taking his place. Yeah, he knew how to stand behind Link as he opened the sacred realm. He's the true thief. Yes. All right, I'm following. Uh, the Underking, Demon King Ganon. Do you want to handle this one, Monica? No, no, you go ahead. Okay. I'm just copying your test notes. Okay, so the Underking is a role that is potentially played by two different individuals over the course of history, or as many as five or six individuals, depending on how you want to read the past of Izmir Wolfharth. Uh, the Underking is sort of the returning shadow who keeps dying and then coming back. He has variably potentially been Zurin Arctis and Izmir Wolfharth and more people. But the chief thing is that like Ganon, he keeps rising up with no clear explanation as to how. Yes, and, and we should say th- those first three players, Izmir, Zurin, and Halti, Demise, Mandrag, Ganon, and Ganondorf, have all, as of the most future recent era of the series kind of been forgotten. Yeah. Ganondorf is considered almost a myth by Urbosa. Yeah. It's, it's thought that Ganondorf, in fact, uh, the, that the calamity at one point took on the shape of a Gerudo. Right. The, the, those three actors have been entirely subsumed by their mythic roles as laid out in the second part of this tweet. Right. So, Even though Ganondorf was the original, he's now thought to be just an aspect of the true Ganon. Yes. Okay, so I think that I'm following along so far. Okay, so next up is Tiber Septum (laughs) is Ganondorf Dragmire. Okay, so Tiber Septum, according to the heretical readings, was the usurper emperor who would later change his own history to make himself seem like the properly behaving party he is not just the conqueror but he is a terrible conqueror who framed himself as a good man right kitaiber septim slash ganondorf dragmire is the king much like wind waker right ganondorf dragmire in this instance is the royal name that crystal is using for the wind waker version of ganon just he just he just wanted the the good winds and the green fields the desert mm-hmm. kills his people, apparently. 
says Tiber Septum. Uh, well, actually, yeah, there is a whole thing where Cyrodiil what? used to be a jungle and he got rid of it. Jesus Christ. Uh, Tallow Stormcrown is Dark Lord Ganondorf. Okay. I have to admit that this is the one that I'm having the most trouble remembering properly. Um, but Tallow Stormcrown is essentially the conqueror story version of Talos, who is Tiber Septum. This is the guy who swept across the nations and united them all. Yes, he's he's the guy who shouts down the gates. He uses military force. He doesn't use diplomacy. Just like the Dark Lord Ganondorf in Twilight Princess uses his godly powers to subsume the military of the Twilight Realm and use them to forcibly conquer Hyrule. Right. He's no longer at the point where he's trying to trick the king. He's conquering Hyrule by the sword. Right. So here you can understand the Underking Demon King as the demonic aspects. Okay. Tiber Septim Ganorf Dragmire as the royal aspects. And Talos Stormcrown Dark Lord Ganondorf as the uh, the conqueror aspect. All right. Okay. Next up, the third layer. Mantella, Dark Beast, Ganon. Okay, so for our listeners, the Dark Beast Ganon being referred to here is not the Twilight Princess Pig Ganon. It is, in fact, the Dark Beast Ganon from the end of Breath of the Wild, the in- the purest incarnation of hatred. Yes. And the Mantella is the heart of power that would eventually... that alternatively came from either Izmir Wolfheart, that is Demise, or Zurin Arctus, that is Mandrag Ganon. And the It powers the robot. It powers the robot. It is the hatred that it is the hatred or the will that enables so much of what comes after. Yes, if you if you consider Ganon was trying to build a body, the Calamity Ganon in Breath of the Wild. Right. You destroy that body, and what's left is the Dark Beast Ganon. Got it. Anumidium Calamity Ganon. So the Anumidium is the bronze god, or brass god. Yeah, and who is the brass god of Greek myth? The the brass god of Greek myth? You don't mean the Colossus, do you? I don't know. No, it's a giant automaton made of bronze to protect Europa and Crete from pirates and invaders. And there was a little thing on its, like, heel or ankle that got pulled out, and then it it leaked out. Yes, to keep the ichor in, to keep the mantella in, if you will. I see. And its name was Talos. Oh, wait, really? Yes. I will just be damned. Okay, that's a really cool aside. It got me a little bit confused, because now I'm having to incorporate Greek myth and... Elder Scrolls myth and Zelda myth all at once. And this is a lot of balls for me to juggle. I can only juggle two at a time. Well, I think I think the choosing Talos as the name of the guy who controls the big bronze robot is was very intentional on their part. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Okay. The Anumidium is the big robot. Yes. And Calamity Ganon is the body that houses the hatred that is the Dark Beast. Yes. Okay. But ultimately, those guys stem from a wrinkly boy hidden undergrounds. Which is Talos also. Yes. Or Ganon. 
So Ganon, in our reading of the timeline, is sort of the final result of every archetype of Ganon being overlapped with one another until they become a new, more terrible thing. The Oversoul. Yeah, essentially. And Talos is not so much an individual as it is a role that's played potentially by many different actors, but the important thing is that it's Talos. Or you could write it as Tal OS, the operating system of the Empire. <gasps> is that a thing? Is that a thing? Yes, it's a very stupid thing. I don't know about that one, Crystal. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. I think I... All right. So, I, do, I feel like I have an understanding of your tweet a lot more firmly now. Mm-hmm. That... It really was a lot to take in all at once. OS can also stand for Oversoul. God damn it. Monica, how are you doing? <laughs> I... Actually, that was helpful. That summary was helpful. Once we started I, I won't doing be able the to actually say it out myself, but like, you know how you can sort of know a language just by your listening skills are better than your, your spoken or your written? Sure. Yeah. 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 So I, I understand the flow. I'm, I can listen to it, but I can't speak it myself. So, so yeah, go how, on. how widely is this understood or believed uh, amongst fans? Amongst fans, I would say uh, it, it's certain things are somewhat controversial. Not everyone would agree that Tiber Septim is Zurin and Hjalti, but I like having that there to have a, a trilateral symmetry. Uh, most people agree with the idea of a Talos Oversoul. All right, that's good. The idea of the apotheosis happening at the end of Daggerfall is also somewhat controversial, but that just makes sense to me because he's not a god in Daggerfall. And then he has the Morrowinds. Yeah, that does seem like the kind of thing. So the, I guess that the arguments about the lore in the Elder Scrolls have to look a lot like Zelda lore arguments used to back before the Historia came out. Yeah, somewhat. And also, it's like probably a much smaller portion of the Elder Scrolls fan base is like really in the weeds about this shit just because Skyrim sold like, what, 25, 28 million copies it did very well. Yeah. So it's like for a lot of fans, none of this would make any sense to them at all. Oh, good. I'm not alone. Well, I'm not a fan, but you know what I mean. Yeah, this is definitely a sort of a deeper lore than is on the surface of Skyrim. Yeah. But, but there aren't people, fans, going like, oh, when are we going to see Wolfarth again or something? I don't think so. I think he was actually slated to appear in Skyrim, but they cut him. Really? Yeah, there's a ghost in Skyrim who identifies you, the player, as Hjalti. Oh, wait, I sort of, I feel like I sort of remember going like, that's not who I am. Yeah, but huh. you're kind of, you're kind of playing the role of Hjalti a bit, aren't you? Because you're the dragonborn. Yeah, but this guy's a huge racist, and I think I was playing an elf. Yeah. I'm not sure. Man, the lore of Skyrim gets really fucky when, like, Khajiit can run around and be the dragonborn. Yeah, What's they a can. Khajiit? It's a cat, cat man. And there's lizard people. Yeah, there's also lizard people. And one of them is a lusty barmaid or something. Yeah, the lusty Argonian maid. I follow that. You should see the look she's giving me right now. No, no, I just know. One of the things about the Khajiit is that um, the amount of them that is a cat depends on the part of the moon cycle that they're born during, right? Yeah, there's 16 different types. Well, 17, but one special. 
Like, like Eevees? No. No, let me, like, sh- let me show you a picture. Okay, is one of them just going to be like the ring announcer cat girl from Yu Yu Hakusho? This is a fan pick, but it's semi-accurate. All right, here we go. It goes from house cat to this, the the center ones, the, I can't quite read that. Omis and Omis Rot? Yeah. Those are basically the, or the Sute Rot are basically the Kajit who appear in the games, right? So the Sute Rot is in Morrowinds. The Cathay is in Oblivion um, Skyrim and is the playable character in Elder Scrolls Online. Although a lot of these appear in Elder Scrolls Online, just not playable. Uh, the Ohms was playable in Arena, and the Ohms Rot was playable in Daggerfall. Okay. Is is there like a caste system amongst the Kajit according to when you're born? No, they're all equal. Oh, that's Ex- cool. And are they all equally as um, sapient? Yes. Good to know. It's all just based on the phases of the two moons. There's 16 of them. It's funny how one end is a house cat and the other end is like a saber-toothed tiger. Like, the, But the middle of that spectrum just happens to look mostly like a person. And, sorry, can they all have kids together? Yes, all Khajiit babies are born just looking like human babies, and then they morph into these after a few weeks. But 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 before that... Monica wants to know how the Sanche Rot can have babies with the Alfik. Uh, For our listeners, the Sanche Rot is roughly a saber-toothed tiger and looks like it weighs about 1,200 pounds, and the Alfik is literally a house cat. You know, maybe that one would be a little <laughs> tough. But you're not, your form is not based on who your parents are. It's just based on the phases of the moon when you're born. Well, it must also I, I, be I pretty get... hard for an Alphic to give birth to a human-sized baby. Maybe it's a little smaller for an Alphic. <laughs> I get that part, but the... the, the... I would assume that there's physiological um, things that you have to consider when choosing your sexual oh, partner. Oh, maybe it's like salmon, they spawn. Uh, hmm. I, hmm. That makes a lot more more physiological. Crystal, is it in the lore that they give live birth? Yeah, they're mammals. But no, Monica. But <laughs> Monica's worried that the physiological differences means that some classifications wouldn't be physically capable of breeding. I mean, you know, maybe it just looks very painful. I'm glad that we're now talking about cat fucking on this, the Book of Medora podcast. The return during the COVID-19 panic special about the Elder Scroll god Talos and how he's basically Ganon. And he's like about, Ganon. He's a lot like Ganon and that neither of them really like watching cats fuck. <laughs> I say that. Maybe Talos is into it. Any other questions? <laughs> uh... Not about this. I think that you've given us a pretty good starter on uh, Talos and the Khajiit. Still, how weird must it be for those super racist Nords that a cat person shows up and starts dragon shouting? They don't really mention it. They don't, do they? No. Because they are pretty racist, though. Yeah, they are. Skyrim's only for the Nords, Monica. That's what the Nords say. Okay. Which, like, I guess I sort of get it, but it would be a lot more... It would be easier to identify with them if they all didn't look like Aryan stereotypes. Yeah, the, the all... whole basis for the Civil War in Skyrim is 25 years ago, there was a war between the Empire and the Elves, and they came to a peace accord. And one of the terms of the peace accord was you can't worship Talos anymore. 
because the elves don't like them. And the Nords are like, man, fuck that. We're going to worship Talos. Yeah. So are, now are they're there, at war with the Empire. Are there Asian people in, in this game? Uh, there are not. Good to know. There are plenty of white uh, people that you would read as white-coated. Uh, there are lizards. I wasn't yeah, worried about There's three different types people. of white people. There's several different kinds of white people. Would you read the Red Guard as being non-white-coated? Yes, the Red Guard are black. Okay. Okay. Good to know I'm represented here. By cats or what? Yeah. Am I cats or elves? Oh, I don't think you want to be that either. The elves are kind of weird in these games. They're kind of, you know how uh, fantasy writers after Tolkien always talked about the otherworldliness of elves? Yeah. That's uh, the, kind of what people do to Asians. Yeah. Yeah. They're, well, so the closest you're going to get is Akavir, where there's like katanas and shit. Oh, right. That's the that that's like the weird far east, but it's still all white people. Yeah. Region. Wow. But they're they're all uh they're all furries. How, when you say they're all furries, the, do you the, mean So they're not snake people, but they do identify themselves with snakes. So they're scary. But scales. they are white people. <laughs> they're just- <laughs> <laughs> Okay, with so, katanas. So the the Far East Asia is made up of white people who like to identify with snakes. Yeah. All right. Sometimes the Elder Scrolls is bad. Well, I'm not saying that that's even bad. I think that it was just like really short sighted in a deeply goofy way. Actually, yeah, we'll call it bad. <laughs> but it's like it's bad in a sort of funny way, and that it's so stupid. Oh man, I've missed this. Yeah. This is quite a bit. Now we have time for it. They should put out a new Zelda game. Yeah, this would be a great time to release a video game. What are we thinking about Breath of the Wild 2 2020 now? It's not going to come out this year. I think that even if they had planned for it to come out this year, there's probably COVID complications. Unless it's already finished, I wouldn't put money on it coming this year. You might have won that bet, if not for the coronavirus. Darn coronavirus. Especially I, since they didn't talk about it in the direct. They sure didn't. But they didn't talk about anything coming after Animal Crossing. So we basically have to wait until the assumed June direct. But they might not even do that at that particular time this year. Nintendo can just coast on Animal Crossing for all of this year. In terms of like mind share, they definitely have a few months all to themselves. Like Doom fucking came and went. Final Fantasy is about to come and go. And... uh it's going to be really something. And I'm farming my blue roses. You think Final Fantasy is going to come and go? Okay. If Square is lucky, Final Fantasy VII is going to come and go. Why Why would that be lucky? Okay. I'm going to cut out any of the actual spoiler things that I say here. But okay. I'm, I'm referring to how... Well, Final Fantasy VII is available for purchase. I'm th- that's the part that I'm going to cut to. Yeah, that's a fact. Final Fantasy VII is now available for purchase. And we're curious to see how conversations around the game will develop over the course of the next little while. I should say Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VII Remake are both separately available for purchase. Oh, yes, that is also On the also, same platform. That's also true.
You know, I've actually been thinking about st- getting the game on Switch and playing it again. Yeah, it's good. It's a pretty good game. If you would like a Final Fantasy game to play, it's one of the better ones. But then another part of me is like, I should replay 8 instead. Yes. Junction everything. Yeah, yeah. Monica's one of the big Final Fantasy 8. Uh, she, she holds it up as the best of that era by far. Final Fantasy 8 also available for purchase. Sure is. Well, we were able to do this only an hour instead of uh, four hours like I predicted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in fairness, I think that the degree to which Elder Scrolls continuity is convoluted is a little bit overblown. Kent, your knowledge of Elder Scrolls is a lot more thorough than I, I thought, which no, was... What? I had assumed not at all. I played Skyrim. Yeah, but this sounds like I know a deal of the lore. <laughs> I read the book. Uh, no, 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 no. I only know like maybe 3% of everything that Crystal was just talking about. You're really good at BSing. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously. I don't think that's related. <laughs> now, Cameron, you say that, but let me show you a document. Oh, no. This is this is started to be... Uh, a very important document in the deep lore, and you tell me how well you can parse this. Because I can parse this. I can okay. I can tell you what they're saying. The title of this is... And there's Le- worse than this. There's way worse than this. Love Letter from the Fifth Era, The True Purpose of Tamriel. Uh, okay. I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to read this out loud. I'm just going to yeah, read yeah, j- it. Just read it in your head, and then give me your reaction on how well you understand what the fuck they're talking about. All right, I'll do that. I do want you to know I have a really, really strong case of deja vu right now, but I'm going to I'm gonna do this. Deja vu in, in reading this? Yeah, and the bit where it was like, read this to yourself and then tell me how much the, the this you understand. Like, that deja vu. <laughs> We've done that with Crystal before. Good we times. must have. Crystal, this is like 2,000 fucking words. <laughs> yeah. Who are Anu and Padme? They're brothers. Are they gods? Yeah, but on a higher level than the other guys. Oh, okay. So, like, the seven or the eight. Oh, God, the seven. Is that who the emperor was referring to when he said by the seven? By the in seven? Ob- in Oblivion. I'm sure he said by the nine. Oh, the nine. You're right. Okay. Wait, why nine? Because 8 plus 1 is 9. Wait, what? Talos. I thought Talos was one of the 8. No, Talos is the ninth. This makes me want to kick somebody's ass. I can't parse this very good. I'm just getting like little snippets of meaning throughout it. I get like, they're, they're, they're gesturing at concepts and structures that I can get in on, but the rest of it, no, I can't. Yeah, this guy's read Thelema. Yeah? This guy's read Hinduism. Yeah, I guess so. Jesus, God, Christ. Yeah, I do. He is kind of an asshole. Oh, this particular author? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. What 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 author is that? Michael Kirkbride. Why do I know that name? Uh, he's worked on stuff. The Echo of the Void is Oblivion. The Echo of Oblivion is now mortal death. All right, no, fuck this. I'm done. I don't- <laughs> oh, there's so much worse than that. Okay, well, I don't need to see much worse than that for right now, I don't think. All right, I take back what I said. Yeah.
I take That's back the- exactly what I said. But this, this, you, and okay, you did excellently in terms of framing this in a way that made it easy to understand compared to the norm for Elder Scrolls lore. Yeah. Jesus Christ. The number of people they've got on this is like somebody turns to Kingdom Hearts or Nier fans and says, you are a little baby. Watch this. Well, you see, each of these documents is designed to be a magical text. So it's like it does magic by you reading it? Oh. Yeah, in the in the, the occult magic sense, the chaos magic sense, the Thelema sense. It's time for me to auto-lease the dough, so... Monica's got to uh, tend to the sourdough real quick. Uh, how long does that take, baby? Just a few minutes. Yeah, she'll be back in a few minutes, but we can keep going. Okay, you want to take some questions? So we have questions. We actually have a good number of questions. Oh, don't skip the questions. Okay, no, we'll, we're, we're not uh, we're not going to take questions without Monica, it fucking turns out. Uh, okay. Wait, do you have questions that came through, like, Twitter? Because we've also got emails. No, I was just talking about the emails. Oh, okay. Uh... No, we'll come back to that in just a minute. But while we're doing this, we might as well talk about, like, the future of the podcast a little bit, right? Sure. Because, like, we're sort of expecting that we would come back for it when Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. Then we would see what the hell is up from there. But this COVID thing has given us more time to podcast. We do have podcast time. So what do you want to do? I mean, we could pod about whatever you want to. Yeah, that's fair. But like, do you have any particular things that you want to pod about? Like, like we can retread things. We can talk about specific games or whatever the fuck. We can become an Elder Scrolls podcast. I don't know if I'm ready to become an Elder Scrolls podcast. Yeah. No. Uh. What else is there besides Zelda and the Elder Scroll? Oh, I mean, like that—that there's fucking Bioware games. If we want to do them, we all like Bioware games. Um, Part of me thinks that, like, the ideal thing that could happen for us with Breath of the Wild Two is that it changes our understanding of Zelda lore so much that we would all just go back and have to re-examine every single game. I'm thinking of how we could do that. What would it have to? What would it take for that to happen? I'm not entirely sure, but like, there's nothing stopping us from just doing it anyway. Link is dead. He's been dead the whole time. Uh, Ganon is a hallucination caused by Link tripping on his ass. Tripping on his ass? Yeah, he tripped and fell on his ass. And he he hallucinated the whole Zelda series. And the end of Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be him... Sitting on a field, waking up from his hallucination and meeting Impa. That's a very, um, that's a very Nomura kind of ending. I guess we could do a Kingdom Hearts series. No, I'm not ready for that. No, I don't think anyone is. We'd have to play Kingdom Hearts to start. I t- I talk shit about it, but I played Kingdom Hearts two back in two thousand six or two thousand seven. It was a pretty fun game. A lot of people call that the best one. Really, they haven't yeah. been able to surpass that in fifteen years. No. That's kind of a shame, isn't it? It's got Roxas. It does have Roxas in it, but I thought people hated the Roxas part of that game. Some people do, but many people love it. I see. I got Luke into Kingdom Hearts by describing the Roxas section. That's right, you did. You killed that poor man. 
by making him play games he likes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically. I mean, for Luke, enjoyment of media and misery are so closely tied together that I don't know that they can really be separated. What do you mean by that? Have you ever seen anybody who likes Metal Gear but also hates Metal Gear as much as Luke? Yes. Oh, okay. Fair enough, I guess. But what? what, what but like not, not literally framed as a question, more as a rhetorical device to say like, even going through the games that he really likes is suffering. I think he enjoys playing Metal Gear. That's fair. That's totally fair. Maybe not getting all the platinum trophies. No, but he can't stop himself from getting all the platinum trophies because that's just how he do. Luke, write in to tell us if you hate or enjoy Metal Gear. Luke, we know that you're listening. Please send in, please send in emails to the Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com telling us if you love or hate both Metal Gear and the Kingdom Hearts series. I mean, I could just ask him myself. He's on Discord. Yeah, you just ask him. What did you just link? This I would consider to be the most inscrutable one. The Imperial Library dot info slash content slash T S A E S C I dash creation dash myth dash and dash we dash eight dash it dash become dash it. Fuck. Tagged creation myth obscure texts T S A E S C I. Author, Michael Kirkbride. I'm all right. There was the striking and the egg was split into 12 worlds, one for each serpent who had a name, and the names of the serpents were alive and coiled into themselves and became more eggs. Monica's losing her shit, by the way. For names are self-maters, and the naming went and went. According to the calculations, the random sequence learned very cunningly that fragmentation reserved itself to the left eye. Variation realms were the evidence needed. Hold on. This sounds like, um, God, there was this author not long ago, who, well, maybe long ago, like 10, 15 years back, who wrote books about dragon people. And they were like, uh, they, they had a very heavy metaphysical bent because the author considered himself as having a very sound philosophical foundation that he worked off of. And this kind of reminds me of the way that guy wrote. It's just dog awful. Aragon? No, not Aragon. <laughs> God. Oh, we could be a book podcast, actually. Yeah, we could be a book club. Let me bother Luke on speed. How's Christopher Pl- what's What's he up to this day? Is Christopher Plum? He wrote a book in 2018. Did he? What did he write? The Fork of the Witch and the Worm. What? What is that about? It's the first book in the Tales of Algasia series. Uh, set in the world of Aragon a year after the events of Inheritance. It consists of three short stories. The second of which was penned by Christopher's sister, Angela. Oh, that's cool. I remember uh, Christopher actually wrote his sister into his books, I think. There's a character named Angela who's like this witch character, and she just yeah, run, witch. runs around and causes trouble for folks. God, what singularly bad books those were. I never read them. I just heard they were bad. Elves that wear leather. What's that, Monica? Hot vegan elves that wear leather. Monica says, hot vegan elves that wear leather. That's true. They Is did. That, no, okay. 
That's an accurate description of them. They they were vegan. Um, they did wear leather. Both of those things were true. And they were all, like, uniformly hot. They were vegan and they wore leather. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Where'd they get the leather from? Animals. Okay. What's their philosophy? What do you mean? Like, like, like I don't know. What's their deal? What's the, what are the elves about? Elves are good. In the Elder Scrolls, the uh, Bosmer are strictly carnivorous because they have a deal not to hurt the forest. That's actually kind of cool. Uh, in Aragon, the elves are strictly vegan because that's how elves ought to be. Yeah. But they wear leather because leather's smoking hot when it's worn well, by it's thick like, people. Do, do they buy the leather or do they get it from their own cows? Um, maybe it's human leather. If, if you're going to skin a human, I don't know, do they feed it to their dogs? I mean, maybe. Maybe they just let it all go to waste. Well, I don't think they'll let it go. I mean, it, like, I can understand if they don't eat it, but they feed it to an animal, yeah, it they, being a human. They just cut the fin off the human and then they throw it back. Okay. Um, let me see. If I remember... One of the sequences in Aragon involved the main character going through a magical ceremony that turned him into a half elf. Oh, it's like Avatar. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's actually a lot like Avatar in that sense. Not Avatar: The Last Airbender, but the James Cameron movie. Right, the good one. Yeah, the good. The yeah. <laughs> I mean, is Avatar better than The Last Airbender, the film? Probably. I've never seen it. I haven't either. Maybe we could be an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. That's a good show. That is a good show. But we've already done rewatch of everything from The Legend of Zelda that's worth rewatching. And Monica still isn't fucking back yet. This auto lease takes Oh, now now I've got permission for us to get started on the questions. Okay. Okay. First question comes in from Morgan. Do you think that Medley is another version of Marin, similar to how Malin was? So I think that Morgan's asking if Medley is an iteration of the Marin archetype. Yeah. I have never considered this, but I guess so, yeah. She kind of is. Yeah, in a way. She has the same musical thing going. She's got the red hair. She has to move on to a much greater destiny. Malin in that doesn't really do that part. She's much more of the homey uh, girl who's just very much focused on singing and whatnot. So she's kind of like a shadow of Marin in that sense. But yeah, Medley has a lot of that. It's interesting that Marin began playing the role of Zelda. Hell, Medley's probably got more of that than Malin ever did. It's interesting so, that yeah, Marin... Morgan, I'm going to say yes. Can you hear me? Hello? Hi, Crystal. Did we lose you there for a second? Okay, I think you lost me. What is it, Monica? There's a bunch of Zelda female characters. Names starting with... Monica says there's a bunch of female Zelda characters whose names start with M. That Cameron that Cameron likes. Fuck off. Her, her name does start with M and she does have red hair. It's true. She And she's got that whole destiny thing going. It's interesting that Marin began playing the stock character of Zelda, but then spun off into her own stock character. Yeah, that is pretty interesting, actually. I think it speaks a little bit to how the character of Zelda has evolved over time as compared to who she was in the pre-Ocarina of Time days. Huh, that's interesting. Malin is 
kind of the embodiment of who Zelda used to be in that game, much more passive and whatnot. I'm also a little bit sassy because she calls you fairy boy. Yeah, she does. She sure does. Shall I read this next one from Matthew? Yeah. This one comes in from, well, I just said Matthew. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Matthew, this isn't a live podcast. You sent an email. I just finished listening to your entire podcast on all of The Legend of Zelda, and you all truly opened my eyes to a big part of my upbringing and shone light on all of the things that had gone unnoticed in my several playthroughs of the series. Thank you so much for everything you do. On to the question. I had just recently listened to your episode on the teaser trailer for Breath of the Wild 2, and it got me into wanting to replay the first in anticipation. I had just picked up a piece of limbwinous stone, and something in the description called out to me. This mysterious mineral gives off a pale blue glow in the dark, which some believe to be the souls of the dead. Do you think there could be any correlation between this and the luminous stone in the cavern where Link and Zelda see Ganondorf, or the fact that the glow from luminous stone has a similar light to the mysterious ghost arm? Hmm. Uh, hmm. It is a similar light. I do like the idea of the Gerudo, their souls becoming the letters of the spell that binds Ganon. Matthew also sent an addendum. Uh, I just completed a shrine and noticed that the shrine monk disappeared in a cloud of light that is very much the same color. This feels like more than a coincidence now. I do definitely agree that the stones that you see underground are luminous stones. That's the only way that the lighting in that cavern makes any sense. Um, God, okay, yeah. Just... Blue is the color of death. Blue is the color of death? Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Or ghosts, ghostliness. Yeah, blue is definitely the color of ghostliness, because that is the color of the ghost fires around the champions, too. Well, it's interesting you say that, because I would describe that color as green. Okay, yeah, you're right. It is uh, more green-blue in that instance. And luminous stones are... Well, let me look up luminous stones real quick, because they also have sort of a green tint to them. Yeah, the description says blue. It reads as green to me, but blue-green is a notoriously tricky color. Monica suggests aqua. Yeah. But, you know, the, the bounds of blue and green are extremely culturally dependent. Yeah, they are. Um and yes, it is, to me, it has a much harder green tint to it than the blue, 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 blue color of the Sheikah uh, lights that are used, which is very similar to the color that the Sheikah sages vanish into. Let me get a... There's a shot here that I think will help illustrate this a little bit. Yeah, I was looking at that same one. It's definitely the Sheikah's way more indisputably blue. Yeah, it's like blue, blue, motherfucker. And the Luminous Stones are blue-green veering towards green. They're sort of a not quite viridian. I think Monica's aqua with a little bit more green is about right. But yes, that is actually still about the color of the Ghost Fires. Yeah, that that is the color. The Ghost Fires become indisputably green at the top, I would say. And then more aqua near the bottom and in the arm. Yeah. But even if we're just talking about like, it doesn't necessarily mean that luminous stones are filled with the souls of the dead. But I can see why in the lore, characters would assume that they are. The ghosts have kind of an aqua fire around them, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a little the color bit. of the luminous stones. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, uh, Ghosts and Breath of the Wild and the Luminous Stones have almost identical color palettes. Hey, Monica's back. I can't find the thermometer. You can't find the thermometer. Okay, I'm going to go look for the thermometer while you talk to Crystal. No, it's okay. Uh, though I should set the alarm for the next stage. What's, what, what, what how long? Hold on. Okay, bye. So what it's like in my house when it's time to make bread. I say house, we don't live in a house, we live in an apartment. This is what it's like in our apartment when it's time to make bread. Everyone's making bread. Yeah, yeah, lots of uh, folks started making bread once the thing happened, but Monica's been making bread for the past year, so she's a little bit ahead of the curve there. This is now a starter and sourdough podcast. Okay. <laughs> We're going to teach you how to make bread, Crystal. How do I make bread? Well, you, you make bread with flour, water, salt, and yeast. Some kind of leavening agent. Okay, that sounds doable. And the yeast part, you can just leave flour and water for a while, and it will just um, cultivate the natural uh, yeasts that were on the flour to begin with. And that's a sourdough starter. And it rises. And it rises and falls um, as it feeds and reproduces, and you should always name a starter, and it can be your pet. If we are to, yeah, we named ours and it's our pet. <clears throat> if we were to look at the screenshot from the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer where Zelda and Link are trying to get their ox to cross the bridge, the luminous stones that are lighting the scene are very much just luminous stones. They're enormous and more crystalline, but that's still luminous stone. Yeah. The deeper part of those luminous, luminous stones are bluish. They do get bluer near the bottom. They have a very similar gradient to the ghost fires, I think. Hmm. I don't think they're actually crystallized souls, though. They could still hold some power in them. Sure. Without being consciousness. Uh, Luke says that he likes Metal Gear Solid on balance. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah, you're right. So a soul is a blue to green gradient as seen in the ghost as believed to be on the luminous stones and as visible on the arm holding down Ganon. What does this all mean together? We don't know just yet, but color means a lot in Zelda games. It means that the Gerudo became stones and also became the spell that is holding Ganon. Okay, so you think that the dead have invested themselves in holding down... Okay, okay, okay. So perhaps also the death of the Zonai could be tied into this. Yeah, that's where they went. They became the stones. Ah. And luminous stones are involved in making that skeletal outfit, too. The that, wrestling one. The one that makes the undead leave you alone. Yeah. Yeah. It's also used to make Zora's domain. Well, the Zora lived for a long time. So, I'm not going to say that it's necessarily made from the dead, but yeah, there's probably a connection between these different elements. And we won't know more about it until we actually get the game, which hopefully shouldn't take too long. But yeah, that's in there. That's real. Winter 2020. If that happens, it's going to be a reason to celebrate. Can you believe that uh, government officials kept trying to tell us that this shit would be over by mid-April? It won't be. <laughs> no. It well, never was going to be. No. 
No, but if you say like, hey, people, this is going to last until late next year, people will freak out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like when there's a an airplane delay. It's always 15 minutes. Yeah. Trudeau finally came out and said that this is the new normal for Canada until the vaccine is developed. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. I'm just surprised that he actually came out and said it, the coward bastard. Uh, well, thank you, Matthew. Yeah, it's much as, appreciated. as an interesting um, connection. Thanks, Matthew. Much Sorry for the delay. Monica, would you like to read the one from Tyler? Tyler says, what? Good morning. I have been going through all of the episodes, so I'm not sure if this gets covered later than I have reached yet. The answer is yes, Tyler. Oh, wait, no. This email gets covered. Discussed. This email gets read a lot later than you'd think. Oh, no. <laughs> no, the topic. I don't know yet. I, hmm. <laughs> I am currently on part four of five for Scarwood Sword. I like that five is in scare quotes. Yes. First off, I kept expecting this to get brought up in the Twilight Princess episodes. When talking about the Hallowstones, no one mentioned how one of the songs, the one in Snow Peaks specifically, is actually the Ballad of Gales from Wind Waker. I remember back in the Dark Times, single timeliners using that as an argument for no split timelines. To you, does this cause a timeline problem? Could it simply have been a song existing in the world prior to the split in time? On another subject, I started playing Skyward Sword again right before getting to your episodes on it, and had the same realization about being able to see blue skies while on the surface just before y'all started talking about it. This got me thinking, could the sky actually be the sacred realm? The sacred realm is often visualized as a beautiful cloud-filled sky, and it does store the Triforce. Now, when they when Tyler said sky here, they capitalized sky to refer to the place where Link and Zelda come from in Skyward Sword. Third question, what if Breath of the Wild doesn't take place on a single timeline? What if the reason that it has references to events, locations, peoples, etc. from all the timelines... <laughs> Oh my fucking god. <laughs> I, I haven't looked ahead of this, but Crystal obviously read a couple of words ahead of me. Um, okay, that it has references to events, locations, people, etc. from all the timelines is that it is actually a dragon break a la the Elder Scrolls. We have come around. We have come around, people. <laughs> Or turn a Gundam from the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise. Basically, something caused all the disparate timelines to merge together in a way that all of these separate timelines all happen and are connected together again. Thanks for the entertaining several hours of podcasts that I have been able to shitbucket my way through the last few weeks. I like that verb, shitbucket. Wow, who could have... Wow. Hmm. <laughs> this was unplanned. Yeah, this was a surprise to all of us. Ah. Uh. I just, uh, so going down, I mean, the Battle of the Gales was not invented in Wind Waker. It's taught to you by the Wind God. And the Wind God most likely predated the events of the Wind Waker. But how did it get in that, uh, the Hallstone? I mean, it was always important to Hyrule, so it's, I mean... It, we're, these Any of these answers are essentially going to be fan fiction. I would assume that eventually Link from Ocarina of Time, learned it during the war with Ganondorf. It's a song of worship. Can you pull up the Howl song? I, I'll i try. Is the ballad a reverse of another song? It resembles the minuets of Forest. Zelda likes to relate songs to each other. Yeah. Like, the 
the actual explanation for this is going to be metatextual because songs are just such an important thing, especially during the Aonima era of the series. But like, no, this doesn't mean that Wind Waker and Twilight Princess take place on the same timeline. It was definitely a, a pre-existing thing. Yeah. It was a song in the old kingdom used to communion, like for communion with the gods. Single timeline theorists never had a leg to stand on. That was true from the beginning. Yeah, you see two timelines in Ocarina. Yeah, you totally you see the do. Ghost celebrating, and you see Link go back. You see both those things. But like a baby, if you if you hide the view of the baby, the world ceases to exist. The future. That seems accurate. Now, the Sacred Realm traditionally has skies that are gold, not blue. We do see the sky of the Silent Realm turn gold when Link gains the last piece of the Triforce in Skyward Sword. Yep. Yes, that is when the Sacred Realm is born. But I could see the argument that the sky itself, because it does seem like a separate dimension. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I was the one who argued that it was like a separate dimension. Yes. Yeah, yep. that seems like me. And I, I could see how the sacred realm would be conflated in that way, especially if you read the demonic war as infringing on the sacred realm, like Skyward Sword eventually being corrupted into the backstory of Link to the Past as many thousands of years pass and history becomes fuzzier and fuzzier. That kind of makes sense to me. And ultimately, the sky had the temple that had the other dimension that had the Triforce, so... God. <laughs> also, the most important definition of the Sacred Realm is it's where the Triforce is. True. And the Triforce was up there. Yeah, it was. So yeah. I could, that, that would help with the legends being conflated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this makes sense. I'll say this makes sense. Now, how do we feel about Breath of the Wild taking place after a dragon break? Fucking dragon breaks. I don't think it's a dragon break because there's no Akatosh, the dragon god of time, to shake. Is Hylia a dragon? No, Hylia empowers dragons. Is Akatosh a servant of Hylia? No. (laughs) I don't think Hylia would have him. Oh, is Akatosh an asshole? Uh... Akatosh is very unstable, which is why time keeps breaking. Oh, okay. It's not his fault, but that's the way it is. Is Akatosh one of the 12 worms? The, the 12 worms? Or however many worms it was in that Kirk Bride piece you sent. Oh, the 12 worlds? No. There were serpents. Oh. Eight serpents? 12 serpents? Eight serpents? Serpent is just another word for dragon. Yeah. Um. Well, not necessarily. The snake men are different, but... No, the 12 worms are a different thing. Oh, okay. I guess he could be one of them. You could make that argument, but no. So many questions that we'll never see answers to because The Elder Scrolls Six is never coming out. It'll come out in five years. <laughs> are you looking forward to, what is it called, Starfield? Starfall? Yeah, I'll, I'm interested in Starfield. PlayStation 5, baby. Crystal, just as an intersection of... Oh, I'll ask you that after we finish with this email. But I do think that Tyler's hit upon something here where it's like, yeah, everything came together. It's not a single timeline. It's everything at once, kind of. I like the idea that it's like there are three parallel timelines that are still running all at the same time. 
It's just that they're all completely identical. Oh, so you're, you're thinking it's 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 still a fork, but the forks hmm, cannot which, be distinguished. Which means effectively, it's one timeline. And it could split again. Uh, it could Tommy Wimey bullshit happen in a Zelda game? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I never heard nothing such like that. No. No. But yeah, I think that. I think that ultimately I would argue that Breath of the Wild is definitely taking place on one timeline, but you could compare it to like a timey-wimey bullshit like a Dragon Break because it has taken these disparate timelines and either actually or effectively made them a single occurrence. Maybe. But the thing is, in Zelda, you can still think of time in linear terms. Except in Skyward Sword. Even then, you can think of that as lines going in different directions and sometimes back in on each other but they're still lines even with time stones even with time stones all right but with the elder scrolls it's more like a vase that shatters into a million pieces and then gets put back together oh okay that is different i was gonna say skyward sword feels like a spiral in some places but spirals still aren't shattered pottery but is the vase put together properly or like into an entirely separate configuration. How would you be able to tell? Yeah, how would you be able to tell? Well, uh, I know the how a vase looks like. Yeah, but it's like this, like whatever time is, is however the dragon puts it back together. How are you supposed to be able to tell, especially if it takes place over the course of thousands of years? What if I am the dragon? Well, well oh, let me let me frame it a different way. Live time is a ship. And the mast of the ship gets broken. Oh, God. <laughs> and then you replace the mast. Is it still the same ship? But this is more like if the ship blew up and then you put the mast, like, as the figurehead at the front. It's like, that's not right. What if... What's the name of the dragon? Akatosh. What if Akatosh gets, like, new prescription glasses and puts them on and looks at the shape of time and goes, Oh, shit, is that what I did? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's what he is thinking all the time. It's like, oh shit, oh fuck, oh no, oh no. So, so Akatosh is kind of bumbly. Um, yeah, you can say so. It's hard to ascribe human characteristics to these deeply beyond human beings, but yeah, why not? He's not. He's not. He's not malicious per se. He's just trying to do his best. He's really uh. He's really just an old school fuck up. It's Mr. Bean. Oh, yeah. Mr. Bean. I almost want to say Mr. Magoo because he gets through everything just fine. It's other people who have to deal with the fallout. Yeah. Hey, Crystal, based on what you've seen so far, as a collection of hardware and services, are you more interested in the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5th one? Uh, neither. Oh, okay. That's fair. Do we want to do one more, or are we about finished for right now? Let's do one more. All right. Uh, Zachary writes in, Hello, I really like the idea of the fierce deity mask being the collected pain and sorrow of the people of Termina. However, I also think two other ideas are interesting to consider. Firstly, what if the fierce deity is a representation of who Link would become if he took the Triforce of Power? Secondly, perhaps the original fierce deity was the hero of Termina, 
that he was so overwhelmed by the pain of his people that he attempted to use alchemy, represented by the alchemical symbols of the sun and moon on his breastplate, in order to absorb all the suffering of his people, and ultimately killed him and turned him into a mask. Just some interesting ideas. I would love to hear your opinions. Also, I think Breath of the Wild Link from 100 years ago would be a strong contender for the Triforce of Power. He was certainly courageous, but goddamn, he took on hordes of monsters and an army of guardians alone. He did do those things. Well, I think the thing about Link is that he has a lot of power and wisdom and really imbalance for most of them. Yeah. And courage. The Aonuma era only has the Triforce splitting the way that it does because Ganon, who was not imbalanced, is the one who touched it. Who, right. And, you know, his his power level is at 300. And Link has an even 200 on all of them. Sure. And Zelda's probably leaning more wisdom, but also she's probably she's got, got pretty courage. good balance. Yeah. I think that probably Zelda and Link are more in balance than uh, Ganondorf is. Mm-hmm. But I, like... I think that Breath of the Wild, Link of 100 years ago, would have been able to use the entire Triforce. I think if Link had the Triforce of Power, he would just be fine. If somebody who was really out of balance but was leaning towards wisdom were to touch the Triforce now and send it flying apart as it was tending to do back in the Aonuma era games but doesn't really do anymore... um, I would say that probably the Triforce of Power would still go to Ganon, because it's Ganon. What do you think, Crystal? Hmm. Yeah, it goes to Ganon. Power goes to Ganon because of the three elements, his is power, and one has to go to the guy who touched it. Yep. Yep. But if someone else touched it, would it would power go to Ganon? Well, if that person best embodied power, then it would go to them. Or if they best embodied wisdom, they would get wisdom. They're not necessarily evil either. Yeah. Though mm. I, I, I like the idea of an evil wisdom uh, wizard. Right, like Vati. <laughs> Vati's not wise. He's got wise right in there. He's a wizard. <laughs> I mean whiz. No, he's not whiz. I would say he is pretty whiz. Or he's wizard-like. Like Star Wars. Anakin, yeah. Yeah, I think that young Anakin Skywalker would be a really strong fan of Vati. What are we talking about? <laughs> what do you think the idea of the fierce deity being a hero alchemist of Termina? I think that's a pretty cool idea. I think if that was the case, um, they they failed very epically because misery coded the land again. But I guess that's the nature of misery. If 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 that's where the mask came from, I'm curious why Majora has it, or why the ghost of the tribe that was destroyed by Majora has it. Oh, actually, maybe that does work. Maybe it's the guardian hero. Yeah, okay. We're just getting back into territory covered by the manga, aren't we? Probably. With the beating of the drum and the dragon heart? Yep. Hmm. I do prefer the idea of the Fierce Deity and Majora not being pre-existing entities. Yeah, I think that I really like our... like That's part of what I like so much about that episode is that I just really like our reading of the lore. That these two catastrophically powered beings are just manifestations of the people around them. That's good shit. I like that a lot. 
I think it is important that the fierce deity is not uh, a permanent form. It is something you become for a certain need and then you discard. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That's the good shit. I agree. I mean, I don't think anybody can be a sustained fierce deity. Even with the Triforce of Power? Uh, yeah. What Even happened? Gandorf has to really, you know, go nuts for a little while and then go back. I or think, else, you know, he's unsustainable. I think that Ganondorf, if he had the Fierce Deity's mask, would reject it because it's not the true power. Or his power. Right. That's just how I read him. It's like he has access to the one power that he really wants. And anything else is, at best, a stopgap that will be thrown away once he gets what he needs. And the Fierce Deity is definitely something that would fight Ganon. It's true that Link in Breath of the Wild is a very tough cookie, though. Do you think that they're going to depower Link, like, narratively in this next Zelda game? Like, in the Metroid Prime series? Or they're just going to return him to base stats with no particular explanation, like in the Japanese Metroid games? He's going to lose an arm. What do you think, Crystal? He is going to lose an arm. I think the new bad guys are just going to be so strong that Link will still have 20 hearts. They'll be represented as one heart because that's just how strong the new monsters are. <laughs> that is some Dragon Ball power scaling. But but what about Zelda? Monica, mm. Crystal would probably argue that Zelda's not going to be playable. Oh, Crystal. I mean, can she still use her black hole device? The Triforce? No. She she can't hear the voices of the gods or whatever anymore. That's... Oh, God, mm. I really want to see where her character ends up going in this next game. They better not turn her into a fucking damsel in distress in this one, I swear to God. Don't let her get Tetrid. Don't let her get Tetrid. Oh, God. Oh. Oh, I hope that game's good. It better be good. And not bad. I think we've hit the end. Yay. I forgot how to end this podcast. Oh, this is okay. all the joke. Oh, well, I mean, that comes after the outro. Does it? Yeah. I've forgotten. Oh, okay. Crystal, where can we find you online? At Arcane Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter, at Cam Ryder. Hey, Crystal, is there perhaps somewhere else I can find you on the internet where I could give you money if I wanted to? Uh, Patreon.com slash Arcane Crystal. How wonderful. If you would like to send in any questions for the podcast, we return to it sporadically, and we are not on a schedule at the moment, but who knows how the next few weeks or months will turn out. You can send them in to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. This is the part where you ask us if we want to hear a Zelda joke. I don't have one. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, but there's one in the email, apparently. Wasn't there? Was it a good joke? Eh. Eh? Oh. Hmm... Hmm. Oh, I never feel feel good about it when Monica starts trying to make a Zelda joke. I, I expended all of my energy with the the choo 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 choo. That was six months ago. <laughs> all of my energy choo. Maybe an Elder Scroll joke. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we can take one of those. Um. Oh, this is a whole new dimension we've never seen into before. I will laugh, but I'm not quite sure if I'm going to get the joke. <laughs> I appreciate your candor here. Uh, what does a new Sentinel Private learn first as a combat technique? I don't know. What? How to retreat. 
Ah, uh, I'm assuming they have a reputation for being cowards. Uh-huh. Yeah, that feels like an in-world joke. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the Elder Scrolls joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.